Shut up and sit down. It's Tuesday night, deep within the darkness that is the Pacific Northwest. It's time for the Seattle After Party. Hey there, partiers, it's me, Daryl. We've been in a a hiatus mode for a while. Uh, It seems that right after RenCon, AJ's schedule changed, and so we took a week off, and then that turned into two and a half months. But uh, we're back. It's time to do some work, and we've got to schedule some new interviews. Uh, But rather than wait any longer, I thought I'd hit the vaults, and I've got... uh, interview that we did near the beginning, so taking us all the way back to near the beginning of the after party uh, with uh, guitarist from the late September Dogs, Dan Tyson. Uh, But before we get to that, another thing that I want to update you on is, uh, is the, did we save the show box yet? And so... Really, I want to read some excerpts from uh, an article that recently came out on CityLab.com, and you can check it out yourself. It's titled, Seattle Wants to Save a Beloved Music Venue, But Is It Too Late? Uh, it's by Hallie Golden, uh, so d- definitely check that out. But basically, if you don't already know, back in uh, the summer, there was plans for the showbox to get demolished, and a high-rise built, um, and this article here talks uh, about what led up to it and what where we're at now. But basically, you know, um, here's some different excerpts from that. Basically, in 2007, a team of Seattle consultants assessed the historical significance of dozens of buildings in the city's urban core. So this was 2007. This was before a lot of the big boom that's been happening in the city. Um, Some were deemed meaningful enough that they were nominated as local landmarks. Others weren't so lucky. One building in the latter category was the Showbox. Uh, it's which is a downtown music venue that was opened in 1939. That decision, which was made in the early days of our rapid development, paved the way for the fierce battle that is playing out today. The venue's property has since been upzoned and said to be sold and demolished, which is the thing that sparked a passionate campaign from you, the listeners, and other Seattleites to save the show box and even prompted the city to take some extraordinary measures to protect it in the short term at least. So the city is now signaling that the show box is worth preserving because in August, after the sale was announced, the Seattle City Council intervened temporarily adjusting the boundaries of the Pike Place Market Historic District so that it included the show box, which means that for the next 10 months, uh, as of August, Uh, Any changes made to theater have to go through the Pike Place Market Historic District. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, Roger Forbes, who has owned the property since 97, responded by suing the city for $40 million, the amount he claims his company would lose if the sale doesn't go through, uh, basically trying to sort of strong-arm the city uh, with money. Uh, And uh, he argues that the boundary change violated state constitutional rights of due process, freedom, from uncompensated takings of private property and freedom of speech, among other claims. Uh, In a hearing last month, a King County judge threw out two of these claims, including one arguing that the city council's decision constituted an illegal taking of private property. The case is now set to go to trial in August. Now, no matter what decision is reached here, uh, the decision has a lot to do with timing. Uh, 
because the city does have an underlying authority to create historic districts and adjust their boundaries. Uh, but had that been done years ago, uh, then the situation might have been avoided. But since it was done just as we found out about it, it drives people a little bit nuts. Um, so that's the thing. And But the thing is, Seattle is the fastest growing city in the U.S. Um, it added 114,000 residents since 2010, which is a 15% increase. Now, some of those people might... Uh, you know, that increase might start moving to other places like New York and Virginia, we now know. But uh, for the past three years, uh, we've had more cranes than any other city in the nation. So th there's a lot of building going on. But in our current real estate market, there's just been so much loss of historic places. And um, Naomi West actually said, in Seattle's current real estate market, there's too much loss of beloved historic places. And she, Naomi West, is a moderator for one of the Showbox Facebook groups. Uh, also said, the Showbox history and its use as a home for music are just too important to lose. And that's why so many people came out so quickly to oppose its demolition. That's right. There are shows that keep coming up. Artists, I mean, it's an important musical outlet for people who are modern artists, but also uh, artists from the past. So it does have a bunch of history. Um, so we haven't saved it yet, but the fight's still going. Uh, just you got to keep reminding yourself that it's there. And there's some people who have some ideas that the city is going to tax everybody to pay for it. That hasn't been laid out on the table. There's uh, different pr uh, proposals that need to go through, but we need to find a solution to save the show box because we don't want Seattle to turn into another... Uh, just boring city. We need to maintain our cultural heritage that makes Seattle great. And uh, and that's why people want to move here. Um, you know, why the companies want to be here is because we have this cultural, uh, cultural and artistic heart and soul that makes people uh, have the problem solving that is needed to uh, for these tech type jobs. This is uh, my firm belief. Uh, but anyways, that is still going on is basically what I'm saying. And so we have to keep up the good fight. I will keep you informed in future episodes. But for this week, uh, we're going to go way back in the time machine. And we're going to listen to a uh, part of the episode with Dan Tyson from Late September Dogs. It was just his birthday just the other day. And uh, so that's what made me think of him and made me think I want to go way back to one of our first episodes. I cut out the match game from that episode, and this is just the interview section with Dan Tyson from Late September Dogs, the first time he was on the Seattle After Party. <laughs> This record. All right. Wow. Yes, this is this is the question. And uh, uh, so Dan is here from the band Late September Dogs. LSD. 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 Very much easier to to remember that way. Thanks for for letting us know that. Uh, first, I'd like to kind of let let you know the way Dan and I met was I was actually selling you. Gear, basically. Yeah. I was I was your guy that you went to, yep. and uh, you guys were very memorable uh, for two reasons. Number one, the day before I left Seattle mm -hmm. to go 
I got a hug from your sister. <laughs> Mr. Daniel, what kind of crap do you sell? Daryl. My name is Daryl. We're not all named Daniel here. <laughs> not everybody's. <laughs> I'm Daryl. Um, I don't. I don't sell anything. I used to sell um, guitar equipment and well, keyboards, pro audio equipment at Guitar Center. Um, but anyways, that's how we. That's how we met. The other reason was basically brother and sister in a band. That's yeah. crazy. Well, this is the trick. This is. <laughs> This is the uh, this is the secret. I used to go to Guitar Center. I learned this. I learned this trick. Um, if you go to Guitar Center as one of these, black shirt, dark long hair, tattoos, and you go in and you walk into Guitar Center, nobody cares. Nobody, yeah, there's nobody a lot of there's a lot of you. At there's a lot Center. of me at Guitar Center. <laughs> I learned that if I made my sister come with me, I got a lot of help. <laughs> I got a lot more attention paid to me. I got steeper discounts for some reason. All she had to do was come in and smile at everyone and give (laughs) hugs. And suddenly I got 20% off. So it started to be kind of a thing. And so whenever I would go in. Very used. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever I would go in to get get uh, guitars or anything big, I would make sure she came with me. <laughs> and if I ever I wanted to be ignored and just like left alone to mess around with guitars, I would just go by myself. Alright. Yeah. Well, what since you, you do and you have been playing with your sister for, what's that dynamic yeah. like? I don't know of many bands that are like brother and sister yeah. and you guys have not only been playing together but playing together for a long time. Yeah, when'd you guys meet? <laughs> <laughs> How'd you meet? Yeah, well, there was screaming blood and then she showed up and uh you know it's been downhill from there um no uh i was i've been i've always wanted to play guitar i'm playing guitar since i was seven years old um and uh i got to be i don't know 16 17 and i had a band and my sister was younger than me she's six years younger than i am and my mom was after me to put my baby sister in the band you know put your sister in the band put your sister so uh you know, she's, I'm 16, 17, and she's 11 and 12. And what do you have to say to a 12-year-old when you're 17, right? I don't know. So I let her come in, and I let her sing. I let her, you know, sing backup. We had a couple backup singers. And this is, meanwhile, we lived overseas. We lived in the Philippines at the time. What? Um, we, I, my sister and I grew up all over the world. We were in Africa and Thailand and the Philippines we were and Italy and all. military or something? United Nations, United mostly. Nations. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So um, our, our parents, we grew up, we've been everywhere. We've been everywhere. So when you say your folks were in the United Nations, what does that mean? I mean, I know what the United Nations is. So, this is where it's so... Is your, is your mom Shirley Temple? In a, <laughs> yes. Really I'll do it. That's amazing. Wow. Out of all the people. Um, no, so international development. My parents are in international development. That's the easiest way to, to sort of explain it. They okay. get... Go all around the world and do these sort of international development programs for cool. all, all right. kinds of things. Yeah, it's. I really just wanted to make my Shirley Temple joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's his only reference to the United Nations <laughs> UN. Oh, yeah. Shirley Temple! I can make it, a Roy Rogers joke later on. There <laughs> you go. PG thirteen. That's right. Set that up. No alcohol. Um, so, so you started playing o- overseas. So in, we're we're in the Philippines. I have a band. And we're doing silly gigs around this around town, and she's 11, and they don't have like a drinking age or anything. Like you can just get into bars and do whatever. And so we had been, we had done. So a couple you're gigs giving, you're feeding your 11 year old sister it, drinks. I wasn't doing it. <laughs> Apparently, there was some. I mean, there was the, the partying started. Yeah, the part. We, I mean, we were when we were started. I mean, I, I was 
14 in Bangkok when we started going out partying. I mean, it was, you know, you, it's <laughs> not the Philippines. Time. I know. It's, it's <laughs> have you been there? Do you know that? No. Do you know it at all? Yeah. The Philippines I know doesn't have Bangkok either. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole different city. But it was, so we start, we started doing gigs and she was just singing backup and she was having fun, I guess. And we had a female singer. We had an older female singer and we had booked this gig, booked this big show and, uh, our, uh notorious Manila traffic. Our singer couldn't make it. She couldn't get there. Stuck in traffic three hours, whatever it is. My sister was there. And at this point, she was 13 or 14. And she's like, well, I know all the songs. And we're like, oh, I guess. So she stepped up, 14 years old, stood in front of like 1,800 people, did our whole set, nailed it, destroyed it. She was great. And she's been the lead singer of the band ever since. Yeah. So uh, is that other singer still stuck in traffic? <laughs> yeah, we never heard from her again. She's yeah, still she's trying to get still, there. Still there. It's yeah. just yeah, it's been twenty four years. So. Well, and what's it like, like being in a band with your sister? I mean, like, is it like really just? Is it is it great? Is it terrible? I'm sure it's a mix it's, of both. Well, she, she was supposed to be here to defend herself, but no, well, I, she's not. I, so take it. So here we go. Now nah, let's talk a lot. Strap of in. Um, no, it's, it's, she's, uh, she's the talent. Like, that's how I, that's how I reconcile it. Like, I did a lot of the work. I went to music school and I played eight hours a day, like, for six years and I did all the stuff that you have to do. And she was just gifted. Like, she was just born with it. She was, she has a musical talent and musical gift and she can do this amazing stuff. She's a freeloader, you can say it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So she's, she's, it's easy for her. And it's difficult for me, but she can't do what I can do, and I, I can't do what she can do. So we actually work really well together. And it's, uh, it's, you know, early on when we were kind of trying to figure it out, there was a lot of conflict. There was like, hey, let's do it this way, let's do it this way. And, and it's sort of, we have now, you know, in the last, sort of through the last three records that we've done, figured out our roles. And, you know, we get along really well now. It's great. You know, it's, 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 it's less conflict than it would be interesting. <laughs> do other members of the band rotate, or do you have? Do you have? Uh, you mean are we are on our tenth drummer? Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. we're on our tenth drummer. Really? Yes. We're on our tenth drummer. Yeah. <laughs> Did any of them spontaneously combust? <laughs> well, two or three just disappeared. We know mm. we found some Manila traps. A little, you know, just, just <laughs> disappeared. No, yeah, it, yeah. We've been through. We've been playing in Seattle as a band for. Since 2000, so like, like we've been through quite a few different iterations. But my sister and I have always sort of stuck together. Yeah, it's just been us. Ha- has it always been LSD? Yeah, we, that started. That's a that's the, the that, that that's a Melissa Etheridge song. Late September Dogs, Melissa Etheridge song. It's an old oh. song from her first record. And like Melissa Etheridge loves LSD. <laughs> And so that was just, that was an accident. That was sort of a, we named the band after one of the, we were covering that song in 1996 or something when Melissa Etheridge was a thing. And we had a gig on September 28th. And ah, that was sort of... It the, was late September. We needed a, we needed a, just a, a name for that night. And that was many, many years ago. And we're like, oh, we'll change it. And we never changed it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah. what was your name before that? We didn't have, we were just, it was just that one gig. We were set up oh. to do one gig and we were like, well, you know, it was one show, we'll just call it this. For so me. at that point, was your sister singing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in your first, first gig? Yep. 
Okay. Yeah, first gig as that version of the band. This was in Italy at this point. We were in, in Italy. Italy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we moved here and we we formed a new band and started over and we had we had been playing for like six months rehearsing a set and then we got a gig and the gig came up and the gig came up and it was getting closer and closer and we're like, well, what, what do we call the band? And we couldn't we couldn't come up with another name. So for that gig, we were like, oh, we'll just use Late September Dogs like we used to. As you've moved around the world, have you, like, just changed it? Is it always Late September's Dogs, or do you change it and localize it to the region? So it's, like, Late September Dogs, but in Italian. Right. I know. I, I never – it's a complicated translation. I, what would it be in Spanish? I don't even know what it would be in Spanish. I like that better, actually. It's still, but it's, 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 still not, long. it's not LSD. It's yeah, got a P in LSD. there. Yeah, for the people it's listening so home, small. he said, Pero se come matate Reverse September. Wow. Jesse, I, like I it. never really knew. <laughs> yeah, and then it becomes PST. Yeah, so hey. It's like Pacific Standard Time. Yeah, it's, not, it's not as cool. Not as rock and roll. Actually, that's a that's a good point. You guys, um, I'm I've yeah, it's it's funny because like when I sold you guys gear, I, I didn't really know what music you had, and then um, since uh, I I I found an old demo oh, you guys yeah, had given that, me, yeah, I know. and I listened to that, and I started, and that's how I reconnected, and I've been listening to your stuff. You guys like really have well produced albums now, like, <laughs> and they were like really totally rock. And you, as you've already mentioned, have like the the basic rocker image, you know, like you just go into a store, you know, yeah. you know your sister is definitely like the rocker chick. She's just got the, the image. But you have a Hello Kitty guitar. I do. A pink, <laughs> I, br- a I brought pink, it with me, actually. A pink Hello Kitty I brought guitar. It with me. We'll, we'll make sure to take a picture and put it up on the uh, put it up on the, the the Facebook page for people. Yeah, absolutely. So, wh- wh- how did that happen? How did you go from having like the the, the rocker image to being like I'm getting a Hello Kitty guitar? Well, what's funnier than that, really? I mean, you know, you stand on stage with a rock band, and and you know, you're you're blasting everybody's ears out and you come up you know you walk on stage with a hello kitty guitar um it was it was sort of it started off as just a i was dating this girl and she had a she had a daughter who loved hello kitty and wanted to learn how to play guitar and uh i walked into a music store not your music store but this is hey, long after you it's, left I, it's well after i left at this point <laughs> it ain't my music store yeah. i have nightmares about having to work at guitar <laughs> that's what i've heard that's what I've heard about that place. Um, but I, 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 the guy told me, he said, there's a, there's a little one and there's a big one. They had a, the three quarter size, you know, guitar for kids, pink Hello Kitty guitar. And he's like, there's a, there's a big one. I'll give them both to you for 300 bucks. I was like, I'll take it. I can't turn down matching Hello Kitty guitars. <laughs> like, there's so, no way. So there, it was a pair set. It, it was a pair. Well, it was, he, they had two of them. They had the big one and the small one. And I was like, well, I know the little girl would love the pink, the little pink one. And, if I can get a matching one for, you know, another 150 bucks, what's the, you know, why turn that down? That's so, awesome. <laughs> uh, so I had, I had the, uh, I, 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 I've since modified it and it's actually, it's been signed, like George Lynch signed it and Ver- Vernon Reed signed it and, wow, uh, Satchel from, uh, Steel Panther signed it. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's become kind of an artifact and I don't know, I, it's not a great guitar. Did, did she ever learn to play guitar with it or did it just got, be one of the things I, where you got the guitar out of the deal? I and pretty much just, got the guitar out of the deal and uh, never really talked to that 
girl band. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she got the guitar, as far as I know. What exists is a three-quarter replica of your now famous guitar. <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, somewhere. It's somewhere. I, I had a suggestion I was talking about with Daryl. Is what if you got like a Hello Kitty drums and Hello Kitty bass guitar, Hello Kitty microphones, and just dressed everyone up like Hello Kitty and changed your music style to children's music? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, then Alex would go see you. <laughs> Then would have be to be late September kitties then, <laughs> not you dogs. Could shave a guitar into the cat. Early October cats. Um, <laughs> we'd, no, we'd be, <laughs> we'd be uh, the, the the rest of the band absolutely hates that idea. Hate we'd it. be on our fourteenth drummer. Like it would be like that. Like it, no, my sister hates the Hello Kitty guitar. She hates pink. She just she just despises it, and it irritates the shit out of her that I do this. Sorry, whoops. Uh, that I that I have a Hello Kitty guitar on stage at all times, so. So you're not dating the Hello Kitty girl, Mama, yeah. anymore. It was many. Are you many interested, years ago. Jesse? Well, I'm just saying, there's a Hello Kitty guitar floating around out there. Just saying. No, no, no. I was. I'm wondering, are you? Do you go on road gigs and do that kind of stuff? We <laughs> we have gone on road gigs. Yeah. Um, it's at this level, like like trying to play out out of town is. Sort of prohibitively expensive. Yes. For bands, I mean, I don't know. It's it's just it's sort of pointless unless they're gonna pay for the hotel room or pay for somebody's yes. day or whatever. It's like, it's it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And every time we played out of, <laughs> out of town, there's been some epic level. Like we played in Moscow, Idaho, out there, the place called John's Alley, mm-hmm. and we were not allowed to go back to that hotel because of the riot cops that were called. Oh, like God. it was literally one of those stories. Like well, it was then let's hear about that story. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, that was insanity. That was that was. Uh, we played the show. We had our buddies, uh, our buddies' band out. Um, they had actually invited us to play. We went out and we played. We had ACDC. <laughs> maybe you've heard of them. We had a tra- for some reason somebody had a uh, a trailer or something. That would hold like 14 people. We filled that up. We told everybody what the hotel room we were staying at was, and they just the whole bar came back to the hotel room, and they wound up calling the riot cops. And these guys, like in, I guess nothing happens in Moscow, but I guess we were we were just so out of control that they showed up. It showed up with full riot gear, like the shield. Like something's finally happening. Yeah, in Moscow. that's sort of what know. it was. And yeah. they, all they had to do was knock on the door. And we're like, "You guys keep it down." And we're like, uh, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> and then they left. But they were like ready for battle. Like they were the helmets and the shields. And like call the in thing. the SWAT before we have to knock on the door and ask them to turn it down. It was is, that, is that how you lost one of your drummers? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We never heard from that guy again. I should I should find out what happened to that guy. <laughs> he's Make in a, a Moscow. Call. He's in a Moscow prison somewhere. Yeah. Even in Idaho, he's in an exotic sounding city. Yeah. He's been everywhere. Moscow, Idaho. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He doesn't, he doesn't, he don't. He's when he's not in Bangkok, Italy, he's in <laughs> Moscow, Idaho. <laughs> Bangkok, Italy. I was there one night. I was definitely there one night. Definitely woke up in Bangkok, Italy. Well, like the hangover, right? The second hangover movie is Bangkok, and it was literally me and my buddies that, saw, that used to hang out in Bangkok were like, yep, been there, done that. That was trouble. I've been to that bar. Like it's it's. Are you glad you did all that traveling as a kid? Do you still? Do you still? Are you still a jet setter? No, I hate traveling. Okay. I've done so much traveling. I I I haven't left. I probably haven't left Seattle in six years. 
I think like okay. to like get on a plane. Like I, I, I'm so done with traveling. I did those like 22 hour flights. You know, Ugh. fly from you, 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 you get on the plane and you eat a meal and you watch a movie and you eat another meal and watch another movie and it's still 14 hours left to go. <laughs> we're, we're lucky he took the trip to get here to the theater. <laughs> yeah, this was yeah, this is better. Big old trip. Yeah. Um, so uh, you. I was trying to do some research beforehand. And, Uh-oh. Uh, no, 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 no. This is good. Humble uh, bro. There's another Dan Tyson. There, <laughs> no. Is there another Dan Tyson? No, I didn't do good research. <laughs> Maybe. No, but so I So when you started selling frozen chicken, <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> no, there there no. is another Jesse Rogers that I found. Don't out. Google that. <laughs> <laughs> Not at work, anyways. Um, but no, I heard you guys uh, had an Indiegogo thing for the the LSD Orchestra project yeah. for your next album, yeah. and you've been working on that. Yeah, that's so. The next, how's that going? That's the next that's, big thing. That's going. It's going medium. <laughs> it's going medium. It's going medium. Well, it's, and explain to everybody so listening what the LSD Orchestra project is. So. Um, the idea came. We were we were doing kind of a residency in Pioneer Square. Where we were doing acoustic shows every Tuesday night at this place, Fuel. Um, and then I don't know. It's like a bomb dropped on Pioneer Square. And nobody goes there anymore. Ghost town that place. So uh, we kind of stopped doing it. But through that, we did a lot of acoustic arrangements of our of our songs and stuff that we've done. A lot of cover stuff. And we sort of figured, let's do a record. And we started talking to a cello player uh, who had uh, some ideas. And so we, we started uh, kind of formulating this whole concept of doing the next record um, with a string section and a horn section and a you know piano and choir and the whole thing. And that sounds really good when you're Pink Floyd and you have hundreds of thousands of dollars to do a record. <laughs> Uh, which is one of my big influences. That's why I love him. I'm a big Pink Floyd guy. And so it's in my head, it makes a lot of sense. And when I'm sitting in front of my computer and using fake instruments and doing all that stuff, it makes a lot of sense and I can get it to do what I want it to do. But doing it in real life is a very different thing and it's very expensive. And so we've got 62.478% of it done. That is a very specific number. <laughs> <laughs> Give or take. You know, thirty or forty percent. So we're we're uh, we're at this point moving on to I think um, recording the strings. We're going to be going in probably in the next month or so to, to start recording the string section. So it will be uh, ambitious, and uh, I think it'll be. Uh, I think it's a good idea, but it may not execute <laughs> to the level that I hope it will. Is is that um, your your guys is that your only recording project or are you doing something that's more just the core band? No, we did. So we did the last record, the EP actually I have uh, is in was from 2010, and that's sort of the best you can do, kind of at this level. Like that was sort of home produced. We recorded it ourselves, paid for it ourselves, did the whole thing ourselves, kind of like every indie band you know did. And we got out of that what we wanted to get out of it, um, and that was. Uh, it was a good, it was a good record. It was, it was, we were sort of satisfied with it. The record from 2006, I think that you were playing before, we had a lot of trouble with, and that was not a great experience. Where can we uh, get the records? Uh, well, it's all on iTunes. Late September Dogs on iTunes, we're on CD Baby, we're on Amazon.com, or, you know, or come to a show. Boom. There's When's that. your next show? The next show is, <laughs> uh, Monday, January 26th. 
mm-hmm. at El Corazon, opening for a band called Red Dragon Cartel, which I don't know if you know. I don't know if there's all the guitar players in the room. Um, but there's a guitar player named Jakey Lee who used to play for Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, wow. He's my personal, oh. one of my personal heroes, my top two, three guitar players of all time. And he's got a new band. He's disappeared for 14 years. He has a Pikachu he... guitar. Little known fact. Competing Japan animation characters. Banger guitars in each other. But yeah, that's Monday. For 9,000! <laughs> Put in a Dragon Ball Z in there too. Oh. So, so all right. So that's so that's sixty two point I don't know eight seven four percent there. Um, have uh, have you uh, so you have you done bass tracks or anything with that? We've or got we got drums. We got keeper drums. We've got keeper uh, keeper bass. We've got keeper electric bass. We're putting a stand up bass like a full orchestra bass as well. Mm-hmm. So we don't have that done. And then we have guitars. Almost all the guitars are done. Um, and then we're we're gonna move into vocals and background vocals. Is, is there a preferred way to do that? Like Daryl said, is you know, bass. Is that is that usually how it goes? Drums, then bass, and then well, at this level, from there or like just depend on the availability. The the real answer is it depends on how much money you have. Like that's mm. really the answer because is always the case. Yep. If you have the money to take the whole band into a full studio and pay for the whole studio for everybody to do everything, that's awesome. But the best thing to do is, I, I mean, at this level, is to go in and get great drum tracks because that's what you need a big room for. You need a big, you need a nice studio. You, we did, you know, I think we had 18 or 20 mics up for wow. the drums. Like, we got a lot of drum tracks. Um, and then you keep that. And then you can, then you can, you, I mean, you can do vocals anywhere. You can do guitars anywhere. You can do all this other stuff. And, you know, just you need an isolation booth that you can do in your house or whatever. So you do as much of that out of the studio as you can. And then you got to go. We we have to go back into the studio for the strings. We got a string quartet, and we're, we have to do we have to do that in acoustic space so it doesn't you know sound like a sample. Or whatever. Cool. All right. So get it. That's get it's it. all it's all money. I mean, it's all money. You know, at this level, it's all it's all scraping by. On yeah, the, and I got to say, um, you know, you didn't get the full amount you were asking for on that Indiegogo, but I have to say, your writing on that Indiegogo was great. <laughs> You threw in so many jokes in that Indiegogo. Did you just have a blast writing yeah, that? Yeah, I used to write a comedy column. I used to write a, a, um, a thing for a newspaper, a national newspaper in the Philippines, and I used to read a lot of Dave Barry. Okay. Yeah, so I, in the 90s when Dave Barry was a big thing, I, I read all of his books, and I was like, oh, I can do that. You know, I'm 19, whatever. Um, so I, I read a lot of Dave Barry, and I wrote a lot of stuff. You know, I started sort of, I have kind of a Dave Barry writing style when I write stuff, and I try to be a smart. I figured it would be entertaining, and people would at least like to get through it. I have you know, to say it was. <laughs> you have you have some gems in there for people who didn't, like, get all the way through it. Like, near the bottom, you've got the one, like, which the definition of what a record is. Oh. Which is like, it's a round vinyl object with awesome on it, or yeah, something like yeah. that. A round vinyl object that contains awesome. That contains awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> Daryl, do you know how many grooves an average 12-inch record has? No. Just one, my man. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, it only has one. Can I make an observation or a statement here? Yeah. I'm, well, I, I'm not you are the co-host. I can do whatever I want. That's yeah. right. Um, so I get the sense off of you, Dan, that you're not a guy who likes um, complimenting himself. You're kind of a humble person. 
Because talking to Daryl before this interview, Daryl was like, oh my God, the late September Dogs music is so great. They're so talented. But I'm, and, and I'm sure that that's the case. Yeah. I'm, I'm positive that's the case because I've heard some of your tracks. But hearing you talk about your own craft, you, you don't got all that. You, you're just a very humble person. So I want to hear you talk about something that you are super, you, you just know you're really great at. <laughs> I don't know that I'm really great at anything. I'm, I'm sort of crappy at video games. I like video games. But no, I, what I, so here's, here's, here's my, my skill. Okay. This is my skill. I can play a lot of notes really close together. Okay. That's a skill that was- Can you was, play Freebird? Can you play the solo on Freebird? I can't play that slow. Oh. Uh-huh. It's got to be fast, right? No, I. So I'm from an era, from I want to say my 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 big musical influences are from like 1986, like 1991, right? And that was all guitar players playing as fast as they could all the time, right? That was the big thing, and so I learned how to do that. I spent years learning how to do that. I learned complex harmony and scales and all this kind of stuff. And then in 1991, which is a long time ago. That became not cool and pointless, really. So my most valuable skill is not really valuable anymore. Uh-huh. Um, Thanks, but I, Kurt Cobain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kurt Cobain. And then, then I moved to Seattle of all places, where nobody cares about anybody that can play like that. So the, but it was good for me because I was, I was over. I, I was, I, I had gone. Into dream theater and like never come out of it. Like I, I, I learned dream theater in like '93. I went to guitar school in '93 to '94, and uh, there was this band, Dream Theater, and the guy was playing as fast as he possibly, and everyone in the in the band was playing as fast as they possibly could, and I thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever heard. And it's really boring if you're not a musician. Like it's just stupid if you're not a musician. Um, and how's, your, the, how's your G chord? Play a good G chord. <laughs> Yeah, I can play a G card. I can Alex, play can you find seven. that G spot when you play? See? <laughs> you know, That's the real question. Just wondering. How's your, uh, my, my, my G spot is perfect. When you're looking for the G spot, what's, what your, what's your finger placement like, Alex? That's what I want to know. <laughs> uh, I, I play like the Scott. Use three fingers or you mm-hmm. just use... All How up. hard do you work the frets when, I mean, let's be honest. Phoebe has so many opinions right now. <laughs> Phoebe, you just see, I, we're all just looking at your face. It's so unfortunate that this is an audio podcast. I really wish that people could like get like your faces as Oh, you want me to talk about the G spot instead of just making faces? If you want to talk about that. I have no trouble finding it. <laughs> and it makes her make faces. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, I, I derailed the. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> no, the rock and roll and, and you know, the G spot. Very similar. Very, yeah. This they is, go together. They right. go together. There's a, there's a commonality there. Yeah. Best I mean, rock and roll is about uh, sex and rock and roll. That's true. Yep. Yeah. Why yeah, do you think there's so many true. groupies? That's right. Well. Mm. <laughs> are there? That is it. So. Yeah, here we go. Here's hope my girlfriend never hears this. No, um, there was a time, and this is one of the things they never really tell you. But when you're starting, when you're starting out, and you get to kind of a point where people recognize you and like what you're doing in a, at a local level, all that stuff, all that sort of popularity and all that stuff inside the small circle that you're in mm-hmm. happens. 
So it's you get that you get that sort of, there's a little bit of recognition, there's a little bit of sort of uh, uh, glamour to the whole scene, and there's a little bit of that, and then all the stuff that comes with that starts at that level. Like they never tell you. You think you have to be you know rock star status, but you get to the point where you sort of feel like that. And a lot of people get lost in that early on before they get any actual national recognition, and I've, that's happened to some friends of mine, and it's 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 kind of ugly, but. Uh, but there, the, the, that scene is gone. Like the, 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 the I would say 2007, 2008, something like that, that kind of disappeared and it fractured into these, like, these sort of micro scenes where very, very specific bands have very, very specific audiences and there isn't a large group of people that really goes to do one thing anymore. There isn't a, there isn't like a, an overall rock scene. There's like a metal scene and there's a rock scene and there's an indie scene and there's a, and it's all separate now. So the number of people really going to do this kind of thing or being involved in this thing is really, really diminished when you talk about one specific band. You know, I mean, I don't know what you guys listen to, but I don't know if you, go to a lot of different kinds of music, you pick one that you like and you go see that. That's kind of how it is Agreed. now. Right. Yeah. I mean that's kind of what happens. So a lot of I just that thought I just thought that was me getting older. Yeah. <laughs> it could also be but it's also true you don't see the young kids coming into that same thing. Like you see there's a lot of young metal kids, right? That in the, the the sort of super extreme metal stuff and they're super passionate about that. But you don't see a lot of like I mean there aren't there aren't any fourteen year olds listening to Skinner anymore. You know what I mean? There's way less drunk 12-year-olds around these That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got to go back to the Philippines for yeah. that. <laughs> Bangkok, Italy. <laughs> Bangkok, Italy. are drunk. Yeah. All right, so it's just like more of a fractured team now, so it's like yeah, a I lot think, harder to get. I think that's I think that's that's a big part of it. Do you I think, think there's more bands? Is that why? I don't know that there's more bands. I think that like I think that there's 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 a, a much less focused uh, appreciation for for types of music. I think I think um, you know there's a lot of YouTube out there that yeah. people people will see the bands on YouTube and they'll just go to see that band. And as opposed to it used to be, you'd go to a place and you knew there were going to be three good bands and you see all three of them and they could right. be mm-hmm. you know several different you know. I, I remember the '90s. I remember that. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, everybody has so much access now. It's like you get to kind of sample the buffet before going. Yeah, absolutely. Discovering anything. You get to yeah. decide what you like before you leave the house. Yeah, and absolutely. So stick with it. Go and see shows. Go, go see, shows. see shows. Go see shows. Go see shows. Yeah, it's, it's changed. It really has changed. Um, and on a national level, too. I mean, I think it's really, it's really different on a national level. Do you, um, I, you know, I'm hearing in your voice, you kind of seem as like, Maybe not as happy about it, or is there like good stuff about it? I mean, it kind of seems like it's like, is it just the nostalgia that you're like, yeah, this was really great, but, or no. is there something good? You're saying the groupies are super specific. That's what, yes, the groupies are, and rare. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, it's, it seems to be an overall thing that I'm, uh, that I'm kind of talking about, and I think it's, I think it's national, and I, I think it's sort of regrettable. Music just doesn't value it like it used to be valued. It used to be, you know, it used to be a cultural thing and it used to be an identity thing. And now it's kind of something that happens while you're jogging. You know, it's like, it's not really something that, that you wear on your sleeve or literally wear on your shirt, you know, so much anymore. Speaking um, of which, you have a late September oh, yeah. dog shirt. How lame is that? 
Wearing my own band shirt. Don't be that guy. No, be proud. Have an ego. <laughs> Where can we go buy those shirts? Yeah. One of those shirts. These are limited edition. Yeah, actually. No, I mean, this is the other thing. We stopped making merch because nobody buys merch anymore, mm-hmm. right? I mean, unless I do. Do you? No, I just buy records. You records, records, vinyl yeah. records. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. CDs are dead. Yeah. Well, no once you get CDs this anymore. CSC after party pop, you'll just see the hits on That's that right. website racking up. No, LateSeptemberDogs.com for everything. Facebook, LateSeptemberDogs, Facebook.com, LateSeptemberDogs. Just search us. We're on that. There's actually a German band from like 2000 to 2004 with the same name. Yeah, I ran into them yeah. a lot. And I was yeah. like, this isn't Dan yeah. and Liz. No, that's that's a very different thing. Yeah, Yes, it is a very <laughs> different band. Like, this doesn't sound like them at all. Yeah. Is this like when they were in Bangkok, Italy? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> we got some like, unintelligible, poorly Google translated from German uh, emails from them at one point, like, trying to figure out who we were or what we were doing, because we own the .com and they own the .de. Oh, right. And so I think <laughs> they said something, why having name of band with some words? And we're like, what? I don't think that's what you meant to say. And you'd think uh, it would be a much easier translation from German to English. <laughs> you would think. But that just sounds. It was like early Google Translate, early you know, Google. 2006. Oh, yeah. Back when they just picked a random word. Yeah, they just put <laughs> random stuff in there. So I, I do have another curiosity. Um, I, we're talking about uh, this idea that the, the, like the groupie scene is gone. Um, I know in comedy Uh-oh. that probably has a lot to do with the like uh, people are I don't they don't care for something that's unpolished anymore, you know. So like the open mi- open mics are more difficult now is what I hear from the stand-up comedians because anything you do will immediately be blasted on YouTube if it's any good and then it will be put out there and refined with somebody else or judged harshly or whatever, right? So uh, is it? Do you think that has something to do with it? Like um, folks are listening to music and if it's not a hundred percent polished studio uh, that it's People don't hit, it's like we've lost that patience. Oh, yeah, a thousand percent. I think you're judged against the top of the line, right? You're judged against... This is why I, we've only put out three records. Like, it takes me forever to be happy with something because I know that when I play it for somebody, they're not taking into account, oh, this is an independent... You know, he did this by himself in his garage. Like, that, none of that matters. What matters is I know what, you know, the latest Metallica record sounds like, even though it sounds like crap. Uh... But I know that there's been all this work put into it in my brain, and I'm judging everything else against that, right? I'm judging all of these crappy recordings. That's why I never understand when people put crappy video on Facebook of, like, you know, the blown-out phone video and just sound <laughs> like that. And you're like, I did hear a couple of your guys' stuff like that when I was looking. Yeah. I was like, oh, there sounds terrible. There's other people. Yeah, there's, there's, some, there's there. some stuff that there's there's a lot of stuff out there. I think this band was great. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> it all turns into a dubstep remix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is what Jesse listens to. We also have two absolutely horrible videos out there that we made uh, when we were young and needed the money. Um, and they, they so are, is it the band, or are these straight up porno? <laughs> They're, they'd be better if they it were does, more. That does seem to be the lead in here. We have, there are a couple of videos that we made when we needed the money. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's that Not level of an excuse. It's like, well, we didn't know any better and we wanted to make a music video and oh god, it's terrible. And, you know, and they're on, they're out, you can't do anything about it. Like they're not, we didn't put them up there. Somebody else put them up there so that. Yeah, I approached somebody to make a video and they said, I don't know, bring your sister, then maybe we can talk. Yeah. <laughs> 
this old song and dance. <laughs> the old song and dance. Well, he knows just to bring, bring your sister along when you want to, you know, get a better deal. <laughs> I'm feeling so used. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It worked. That's all I'm saying. I might be buying a new van suit. Come <laughs> See? With me. I, uh, That's right. It's terrible, but it's true. 20% off on a van. But I mean, it, you can always tell, too. You go to Guitar Center, you can always tell the guys that drag their girlfriends in there, and they don't want to be there, and they're looking around, and they're like, this is dumb. I don't care about any of this. Yeah, but like as a salesperson, you could tell the girlfriend who was like... They yeah. want to be here, right? But your sister came in and she like was a musician. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, so it was totally that was, different. Right, right. Like you know, like it's it's not fair to us. <laughs> it really is. Just take our weaknesses, bingo, and the use them against us. The power we have is so unfair. <laughs> yes, it is, especially musical women's. Um, anyways, um, so you do have a band, Late September Dogs, that is easily s- s- trimmed down to LSD. Yes. So. Um, you ever that, done LSD? <laughs> I have not, actually. No. What, what, not. You know, we like, what are the good and bad consequences of having a name that is basically a drug that you are, now have mentioned you have not had? That I have never tried. And nobody else really in the band. I don't know that, I don't know that anybody. Like, worked. you guys never, you, you guys always, the two of you always seem very, you know, much, you know, more mature than many rockers that came <laughs> in the store. To be fair. I think that means boring. I think it's just called me boring. <laughs> yeah, mature people don't do LSD. <laughs> no, I... You I, do ayahuasca. <laughs> honestly, like, I'll, I'll have a beer every now and then now, but, like, I... My thing was, was Jack Daniels, and I was Woo. not interested in LSD. I was not interested in... Like I said, you else. have the rocker image down. I was... Jack Daniels and me got along great. <laughs> <You're the> rock- <laughs> Until we didn't. <laughs> and then we stopped being friends, and we're no longer. Right. I used to call him John because we were good that close. That like, close. Yeah, yeah. You're that close. Yeah. Just not my Hello joke. Kitty Sadly, bottom. not my joke. Yeah. You need that Hello Kitty Jack yeah. Daniels bottle That's right. now. That's right. With the matching little tiny mini bar bottle. Oh, there are. Okay, so here's the thing. If you ever get a Hello Kitty anything, people will start sending you Hello Kitty crap that they find from <laughs> everywhere. So you have a lot of Hello stuff. Kitty Band-Aids. There was a Hello Kitty toaster that would burn Hello Kitty's face Cute. on the toast. I what like was the that. worst thing you've gotten of Hello Kitty so far seen? Uh, on a PG-13 podcast? It, Let's see. Oh. It's okay. Now I we're, at the, we're at the part one. where <laughs> they're still worried they're still that it's PG-13. I think we've gotten well past that. Go ahead. It's a dildo. Let's not get ourselves. Is it a vibrator? There were definitely well. There, I've seen those. Nobody ever gave me one, thank God. But uh, people were like, oh, hey, look what I took a picture of in, in Taiwan or whatever. But, uh, no, I got Hello Kitty condoms for sure. Uh, those were, I was given those. That was a thing. Is there a face on the condom? Yep, right on the end. <laughs> yep, yep. Very responsible of Hello Kitty. That's mm-hmm. right. Hey, Teach them young. Be safe. Yeah. I feel right. a furball coming on. Yeah. Oh, come on. That's gross. <laughs> All right. Well, um, does anybody else have any questions, or do you have any questions for us? You got to see a show for the first I time. I loved it. That was a great time. It was a great time. I, I'm a huge comedy nerd. I'm, I'm a, I've, I've been, uh, you know, I, I listen to all the podcasts and all the new mm. comedians, and I'm a big Louis C.K. fan. Louis C.K. Yeah, yeah Louis is amazing. And, and He'll be Pat- here next week for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 he won't. No, <laughs> just kidding. It'll be Chris Rock. Chris Rock. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. <laughs> A rock that we named Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you lost me on that one, Alex. I just uh, 
Spell off on that one. Um, no, I love it. I, I, I I'm definitely, we're definitely coming back. I'm gonna bring everybody else. Bring your sister. Here. I'll bring her next time. Yeah. Is it she, possible to play a track? Yeah, uh, we've got some more tracks. Is there any, you, do you said you were gonna yeah, bring a CD? Yeah, I brought the CD. It's in my jacket. Oh, right. Actually. We're gonna get I'll, it, I'll, get a CD. Yeah, yeah, get the get CD, the CD going. Yeah. Is that um, a way for how to close things out, Daryl? Yeah, we can play, it's play that out, close, close, out. close that out. Yeah. Um, play, play a track. Cool. Is this from, uh, what is this well, track that the you're mic. wanting to play? It's the best track. It is. Jesse, it's the, Phoebe? It's, it's the one he wrote in Norway. It's the Nordic track. Oh. Uh, yeah. uh, he wrote it in he Norway, Missouri. Don't talk over me. <laughs> I'll do whatever I want, Jesse. Say something funny and I won't. Um, um, I'm talking. Hey, we're the only ones with microphones right now. All right, say something funny. It's okay. I had to run back here so I could make sure that. Oh, everyone's there. talking over Jesse. He's sad. Jesse, hey, you got anything to say? Oh, yeah, no? Okay, all right. <laughs> Jesse, you have anything to say? Yeah. So we're sitting here trying to open the CD, and is there anybody who's ever tried to Come open Come on, Jesse, tell us a joke. Come on, Jesse. It's your, it's your first time on the podcast. Yeah. Say something funny, is that Jesse. Just pretty broken? Is that. Because I, I have. Well, I'll I have say, Jesse. Yeah, is a oh, very funny guy yeah. when he's not shy. I, I have some uh, some of the stuff from Pretty Broken on here. No, I was just listening to Daryl open the CD. Like that. <laughs> yeah, can you put That's the better. microphone closer to the CD as you open it, Daryl, so that people listening can really feel like they're here, experiencing every moment. Yeah, the frustration of opening a CD. Wow. It's like that old MTV commercial where I, they. I do have. To- I do have to say, he's opening the CD. I'm getting a little bit jealous because I remember like having all the notes and stuff in the, uh, in the CD, and I missed that. And you just buy the MP3, and you got like a picture of the front of the album, but you don't have all the detailed notes. Remember when when they used to make CD openers, and it was a little thing you slid across the top, and it opened it, and then you peeled the plastic off? Nope. Really? <laughs> I remember that. Uh, when I was a kid, we had a really cool VHS rewinder. It looked like a car. I currently have a really cool VHS player and VHS collection because I, I lived VHS in rewinder. the 90s. It was called a VCR. <laughs> oh, we, we, we had a separate rewinder. But now people call it a VHS player. Why is there, Why would you need a separate rewinder? So that you could watch a movie while you're rewinding the movie you just watched. <laughs> how are you, else are you supposed to be kind? How else... How else? <laughs> Be kind, everyone. How else are you supposed to start, Jason? Like how, Halloween part well, who, two? Because yeah, who wants to wait? Yeah, when you're well, you're only thirteen, boy, you don't want to wait. No, that's why all my movies, when you put them in, it's the end of the end credits, and then you have to wait and rewind it. Don't. <laughs> For this night to be over. All right. Uh, That's not the track of the band. Your singing voice is garbage. Thanks, Jesse. Phoebe, would you sing a song for us? (laughs) Okay, I'll sing a song for you. Don't mind if I do. Phoebe, why are you... Wow, you never sing for us again. That was awful. You're the worst singer I know. Put up, Phoebe, I'll sing a song. (laughs) All right, so we're going to play... Anyway. uh, You Know Not... From uh, the late September Dogs album, Pretty Broken. I cannot touch you when 
was it like traveling back in the time machine, listening to us, our old shows? Does it make you feel good for how technically far we've come? I, even though I cleaned it up a little bit, the sound quality is still not that great as we have now. Um, but uh, yeah, that was Dan Tyson. Uh, until we get some new shows going, expect a few of these vault episodes. Uh, but speaking of new shows, we do have some upcoming shows happening. Starting in January through April, the third Thursday of every month, we will be doing live shows at the Pocket Theater. Uh, so January 17th, we have uh, comedian Kelly Hanna will be returning to the after party. And uh, so she has a new project, I believe. So make sure to come check that out live. February 21st, we are still unscheduled for a guest, but there is a show. Tickets are available March 21st. Author and uh, film writer, amongst other stuff, uh, Brian Dorsey is going to be joining us. He's one of the people that I met at Rencon. Uh, he's actually got a Kickstarter going right now for one of his graphic novels, The Book of Luca. Post-apocalyptic graphic novel is uh, on Kickstarter. Just look that up. That's L-U-K-A for The Book of Luca, post-apocalyptic graphic novel. Um, that's going on this into this weekend of uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And then April 18th, once again, we don't have anybody booked for that date yet, but we will tell you when we do. Um, and those shows will be live, so you can come and see me and AJ live for those shows. And before we go, I want to say thank you. This is Thanksgiving week, so I thank you for listening. Thank you for holding on these two and a half months that we were on hiatus. But I promise to get you some new episodes and uh, remind you that uh, you can support us. Uh, one way is, of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash Daryl Ducharme. We've got lots of different options there. So I uh, uh, always like to thank all my listeners and especially our Patreon listeners like Debbie Olfett. So you could be named there as well. So go to patreon.com slash Daryl Ducharme. And we just added uh, a store page for TeePublic. And so if you just visit our website, uh, seattleafterparty.com, and click Collections, you can find some collection we find of Seattle-based art. So go check it out. Or maybe you're an artist and you want to uh, sell your wares through TeePublic. Let us know about it, and we will post it up there. Thank you very much. See you next time on the Seattle After Party.